Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. Coming from California, here's Aaron Alvarado and David Stauffer. Welcome to the Brave Little Podcast. We are back. And joining me from the city of championships. Oh, yeah. The, just the NBA champions, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the MLB champions. The Brooklyn Dodgers? No, LA Dodgers. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, 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 sir. The that, Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, we are the champions. You are the champions. Aaron, how does it feel to just win all those stuff? Feels pretty good, <laughs> okay. I'm being honest. Feels pretty, pretty good. Well. Yeah, man, good to see you. It's been a long time. Dude, it yes, has been a long did time. We in, in the meantime, in between our last episode and this one, the the Lakers and the Dodgers both won championships, so but I'm pretty good. You went two for three for your titles. You said you would not come back on this pod until the Lakers won the title, the Dodgers won the World Series, and Donald Trump got four more years. So yes. I I am shocked. I thought of all those three predictions, that one <laughs> I thought was the biggest lock. And as far as I'm concerned, we don't know that he's lost at this point. Well, we're gonna let I the mean, courts decide. Because you know what? The media doesn't get to decide, my friend. No. December. What is it? Do. December 20th. The certificate. <clears throat> I love the new dates now. The new date of like, no, we got to yeah. wait till December 20th until all the votes are certified. It's like, mm. wait, was that a thing we were doing before? Did we? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know about this, like, all important certification date as the true, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, this is it's funny that. We bring this up because in 2016, what happened was, you know, after Hillary lost, that a bunch of Hollywood um, elite got together <laughs> oh and they released a video asking the because you know the United States we have very weird election rules. The people actually don't decide who who uh, wins the presidency. No, no, right. So we actually vote for electors. We're a republic, not a democracy. I'm, I've been told yes, repeatedly. that's right. We're, yes. That's never forget that. Never forget um, that. So, no one wants a democracy. Apparently, no. Who who would want that? That's Certainly not the Middle East. Tyranny. We've tried though. That's a, that's a tyranny of the minority, my friend. I don't know if you've ever seen a PragerU video. Whoa! But they love to talk about that. Um, so anyway, so the the way that our rules play out is um, these electors are not actual voters. Mm. They're they're selected by the states based on how the state voted. And so what happened after 2016 is all these uh, Hollywood elites led by uh, Martin Holly Sheen. Weird. I almost right. said Charlie Sheen, but I don't think Charlie Sheen voted. Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. By the way, if he did, which he didn't. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he certainly wasn't voting for Hillary in 2016. No, no, no. Uh, but, yeah, they, they put this video together and they made um, a case to these electors and said, you know what? Follow your heart. Don't listen to the voters. Follow your heart. This Don't, isn't a true story. It's a true story. And the video has over 1.6 million views on 2016. But it went down the memory hole because nobody was talking about it. it. It resurfaced on Twitter the other day. And I just I was totally reminded by it. But it's so funny because now that the shoe's on the other foot, yeah. oh can gosh. you imagine oh the uproar? <laughs> Dude, I'll, I'll tell you, though. Oh, my gosh. Would I watch a celebrity montage yeah. of of Trump supporting celebrities, oh. Hollywood celebrities, not 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 yes. these Twitter celebrities that have spanned from MAGA, fake, the fake subcultures of yeah. MAGA Internet. I'm talking about I want James Wood, John Voight, mm -hmm. Kirstie Alley, Pat Sajak, Pat Sajak, Joe Rogan. <laughs> well, he, he, he was a <laughs> Bernie supporter. Um, so. <laughs> Reluctant. Reluctantly. Reluctant. I think he said he voted for Joe Jorgensen. Um, sure. Sure. Again, I don't think he voted. So. No, there's no way. But yeah. I, but yeah, yeah if, if those people came Could out and imagine? said yeah. they were begging the electors to Oh, MSNBC vote would be conscience. running with they, – it would be a crisis. We would hear about it on the congressional floor, which honestly we should – but that wasn't happening in No, 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 absolutely have, have not. You, have you ever yeah. been persuaded even one time in your life by a celebrity to do anything? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> the one thing, I will say, the one thing that a celebrity did sell me on was, I don't know if you remember in the 90s, Taco Bell had this promotion with the double-decker taco. Oh, and the pitch man was one Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember this. And yeah, so that was the one time until Shaq's, until I saw Shaq on that commercial, I never ate at Taco Bell. But now it's my favorite restaurant. Yeah. Just like the movie uh, Demolition Man. <laughs> 
in, in Demolition Man, Taco Bell is like the number one restaurant. <laughs> Look, I'm, dude, you're speaking yeah. to a, an alumni. I spent a year of my life working that drive-thru window. A year I'm very proud of, to be honest. Very long 12 months. It was a long 12 months. Um, but I was treated with so much more dignity than I ever was at the movie theaters when I worked of there. Of course, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, the celebrity videos, man. I can't even... I mean, I've never been – I voted, and I'm uh, I'm proud to participate in our, the democratic process. But I'm never – I'm never, like, more uh, – how do I put this? I've never I – I couldn't be, more like, less enthusiastic to vote mm-hmm. than when a celebrity – I'm not – I'm fumbling over my words here, but I think you're getting what I'm trying to say. The no, most I, dissuaded – here we go. The most yeah. dissuaded I've ever been to vote is when – is after watching a celebrity PSA telling me to vote. I am the least compelled to want to vote when I see That's a celebrity right. telling me to do something. Yes, when I, I see the videos, yeah. I, I honestly, for a moment, I think, I might sit this one out, actually. This one, <laughs> I don't think this one needs me. <laughs> well, do you remember the old P. Diddy voter die? Like that Of was... course, dude. Yeah, rock the vote, dude. I went to those rock yellow card concerts. Dude, Green Day. Rock the Heck vote, yeah. voter die. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah, thankfully, they never told me who to vote for. That would be inappropriate. They would never do that. No, no, no. They just want you to vote, period. They just, yeah, and change the minds of the electors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Wild video. We're not going to get too much into politics any more than we already have. I do have one more question for you, though, in regards to this election, and then I promise we won't talk about Trump. it on this spot. Yeah, that's who I voted for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was yeah. that, that your Oh, ask? no, no, no. <laughs> um, I, uh, there's going to be all, all sorts of documentaries, of course, made about this election 2020. Oh, yeah. And it's going to take a while for me to be even remotely interested in reliving any of this year, let alone the just, I mean, just the the campaign portion. But when all the documentaries come out, we'll have Alex Gibney. Maybe we'll get one um, from our favorite guy, uh, who I'm forgetting immediately. Oh, uh, Errol Morris. Errol Morris, yeah. <laughs> the best well, documentarian just... in the world. He's 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 the king. Yes. Um, there was uh, Billy Corbin just released one, mm. um, the about the 2000 election that was oh, excellent, yes. excellent movie. Five hundred and thirty-seven so votes. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Super good movie. Really good watch. Um, check that one out. But yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot. So my question to you is, what which one are you most interested in? In terms of story-wise, what what I know that you're not gonna you're like me you're probably not gonna want it you're not gonna be you're not eager to jump into the genre of 2020 documentary you know no. 2020 uh, political documentaries but is there an angle at all that you'd be there's, interested? There's in? only one. What? There's only one What's that's that? compelling, and what it is is the fallout of Kanye West saying that he's gonna run for president. Ooh. That's what I want to know. I want to know. I want to see video from uh, Biden's camp when that happened. Because there was a minute when people were saying, oh, young people are going to vote for Kanye. Yeah. It's obvious. Yeah. There was a full and there was a full on battle being waged on social media. Yeah. John Legend. Um, and, I mean, it was I mean, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, people were losing their minds on Biden in Biden's uh, war room, his basement. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they called all their big guns, such as John Legend. Like, there is zero doubt in my mind that Biden's team called John Legend and said, you you have to oh. you have to say something. You have to – because that's oh. how it works, yeah. right? So. No, he gave he gave the Biden campaign the log into his Twitter and just said, compose it yourself. They, yeah. you know, I don't think he even wrote the tweets. You know? he yeah, just yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's I, I, And I hate – I hate relitigating 2016. I even hate talking about 2016. I'm yeah. tired of talking about 2020. Yeah, but, yeah, but I think too. it's important – to actually just go back and remember that in those um, leaked emails to uh, to WikiLeaks, the, the one thing that was actually really interesting to me was just the coordination with the media itself. And, you know, we can say the, the media has a, a bias towards a certain candidate or whatever. But in those emails, it flat out said, like, we're going to send Katy Perry to um, host a concert on behalf of, of Hillary. I mean, this, this is not, uh, this is not unheard of. Obviously there's people that support and that's fine, whatever, but it's, it's so obvious that they were coordinating with these influencers on, on in media and social media. So, if, you know, that when Kanye came out and said, I'm going to run for president, all hands were on deck and they were, they were reaching out to every contact they had in Hollywood, social media, because there was, like I said, a full on assault of Kanye West after that happened. Like, 
he was completely dragged in the in the traditional media and social media space. So, I mean, he kind of, really that started when he wore the MAGA hat, right? I mean, that was like the beginning. Yeah, yeah, of course. So yeah, he he was officially canceled after that happened. But once he ran for president, I think people were actually um, yeah. saying this is not a funny joke anymore. We have to get serious, and you can't actually do that because they were worried. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't come out and and throw have such a fuss unless they were legitimately worried. And you know maybe that. They should have been, but honestly, the guy's a clown, and he always has been. So, yeah, I think that would be interesting. That would that's be interesting. Because, but you need you would need Kanye on the record being willing to talk and yes. and drag all the people that you know mm-hmm. uh, reached out to him. The things they said, you know, he. I mean, he posts on his Twitter feed all the time screenshots of text messages from yep. people that you know didn't want him doing that. So you got to right. get Kanye in the right mood. That would be an interesting documentary. I think for me, I would take a mini doc, something light and funny. Specifically, I can't get over this story, and I know people are talking about it ad nauseum. It still is just the best thing, and that is the story behind the Four Seasons landscaping press conference. <laughs> like, I want to find out who it was. Just come forward. You're a hero. It's okay if you made a mistake. I would like to. Maybe you did it on purpose. You didn't. Yeah. But if we can get that person on the record or anyone involved, including the manager of the Four Seasons, who's got to be thrilled when he gets that phone oh, yeah. call about, you know. Uh, the president wanting to hold a press conference outside of his landscaping store. That's good for business. <laughs> even though the president bailed and he, you got even better, honestly, Rudy Giuliani, fresh off of the Borat 2 cameo. And oh, so yeah. America's mayor, baby. Just this idea, just the idea of like someone's like, we need to book a press conference at the Four Seasons Hotel and just some overeager intern who's like, I'm, we're going down to the ship right now. Things aren't looking good. So I'm going to, you know, I want to step up and like really impress. Like, I got this. Tommy in the back is like, I got this. Pulls up Google Maps, fr- types in four seasons, calls. Yeah. On behalf of the president of the United States, ever heard of him? Uh, can we do a, a thing at your place? You know, like a press conference? And they're like, uh, yeah. What? Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> when? What we, day? We'd like to. <laughs> We'd like to book your stoop for a press conference. <laughs> They're like, I want to know what the follow-up questions were. Like, do you is this indoor, outdoor, or like, like? Look, the fire marshal says we can fit seventeen people in this shop. <laughs> like, is that going to be a problem? <laughs> you know, like, like at there had to have been follow-up questions that must have or should have tipped off the person booking this. Be like, wait a second, this doesn't sound like a hotel at all. Like, <laughs> but anyway. Like, it's just too good to be true. It's hilarious. And even though much has been made about it, I just, I think it's worthy of all of the coverage. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny. I think uh, you brought up Borat, too. Yeah, uh, dude. Rudy G being in Borat, too. I think, you know, um, we, uh, <clears throat> the Borat, too, just dropped recently. Yeah, on when Amazon the last Prime. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago. The number two most streamed. Whoa. Uh, movie of 2020, which is pretty amazing, right? Is it's that, right is behind, that uh, verified? Is that's ne- it's verified based on what right we know with Netflix numbers. We don't really know their numbers. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but we we actually hacked their system. Oh, we did. So, yeah, that's right. Yes, um, it's yeah. So it's number two behind Hamilton, which dropped on oh, uh, Disney Plus. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you did you watch Borat too? I did. Okay, I did. It, I, I mean, I. I was concerned. I mean, he's been like, no, I'm not going to do Borat sequel for a while, right? Mm-hmm. But this happens to every great artist. You know, you 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 come out with something that is an absolute phenomenon, a cultural phenomenon that changes literally, literally the way I can say certain words like my wife, yeah. you know, like yeah. I can't even say it normally, right? Like yeah. that was a force of a movie and he rightfully retired the Borat character. But artists get old. And they kind of lose their, I don't know, their moral compass, their North Star, whatever it might be. And and they get it in their heads that, like, uh, I can affect something like an election with a Borat sequel, which absolutely was in Sasha Baron Cohen's mind. He pushed to have it released cool. before the election. And none of the major studios wanted to do that, only Amazon Prime. And so that's why he did it. And they dropped the trailer for a week before, two weeks before the yeah, release date. Like t- maybe two weeks before. Yeah, I was pretty nervous at that point. I was like, whoa, there, the marketing window on this. And I realized he was trying to get it in before. But just the idea that – and I don't know that he's – I just don't can't believe he's always been this way. But I guess – I don't know. We get soft or delusional in old age. I don't know. But this idea that he thought that releasing this before the election would matter is, is kind of troubling to me. And then I watched the movie. And Aaron, well, is Borat 2 good? 
I will say, okay, you you have to temper your expectations yes. because first of all, Borat, the original Borat, is maybe the funniest comedy of the of the two yeah. thousands. Like, maybe, period. yeah, no, yeah, it, it, is. Maybe, it is, yeah. It, it's, I mean, the first time that you see that movie, it changes you. Yes, as you know, if you're someone that actually enjoys movies and, and comedies. That movie leaves an imprint on you. I, I've been a huge Sasha Baron Cohen fan going way back to his uh, TV show and and all his characters. And yeah, you know, when Borat, the movie when I heard he was making a Borat movie, I was like, I don't know how this is gonna work in movie form. And also, I don't know how big his audience is. To, to I mean, yes, I love the guy. I thought it was I thought it was a great idea. But I was like, who who else wants to see this movie except for me and like you know a hundred other weirdos in, in America? Uh, because obviously he was huge in the UK, but. Uh, so when that movie dropped, it was so massive that it blew my mind just as a fan. I can't even imagine what it did to him as, you know, as the creator. Um, so, yeah, just you can't really you can't follow that up is my point. Like, you, you just can't. You can't. It's it's such a it's such an important comedy, a genre movie. Um, you know, it's funny to say a, a comedy is important, but it, it is. It's because it's so influential. And like you said, it. It influenced uh, regular culture, which, you know, movies, comedy movies uh, typically do not have that kind of uh, imprint that that the movie Borat did. But, yeah, no, so Borat 2 is just like it's hard to it's impossible to follow that up. And and, you know, there's I will say that there's um, four or five scenes that I thought were legitimately funny in Borat 2. Um, the rest of the movie, not so good. But there, those four four or five scenes were were funny enough for me to recommend it if you liked Borat. So I liked it overall. Yes. Um, I think it's fair to say it was a net positive. Yeah. I With everything you just said about managing expectations, it did feel like some of these were sketches or skits or bits that were completely disconnected from whatever narrative that I, it felt like they created a narrative in the editing room or something. And they went back and did a few pickups in between. Cause like there's a few weird, um, I mean, there's some of this in the first Borat, but there's scenes with Sasha Baron Cohen and the actress who's playing his daughter. It's just them two. And, you know, there's no bit to anyone else. It's just this is filler to connect what they've just done to where, where they're about to go and why. Right. Yeah. And some of those scenes were a little long and there were a lot of them. And it was a little bit like, oh, whoa, uh, this is less funny to me when when there's not like the unknowing person. Like the best sequence to me is the fact that and I'd love to know more of the backstory of how he got these guys to agree to this. But. To right at the beginning of quarantine, the Borat character is like, what's going on? Why is no one on the street? You know, whatever. I'm not going to do the voice because it won't be good. But <laughs> um, but like the uh, – I say that, by the way, and I'll go right back to doing the voice. Um, oh, yeah. The guy that <laughs> – This guy not do it. Conv- this convenience store in a truck is explaining to Borat about, the, about COVID. And uh, Borat says he has no place to stay and asks if he can stay with them. And it cuts to them, him being in this kind of what's seemingly log cabin, rural area of I don't remember what state, um, Georgia, maybe I don't remember. Maybe, yeah. And I just don't know that that guy is letting him stay with them. Like there had to have been a conversation, but uh, that's beside the point. These two guys who are absolute QAnon believing, one hundred percent like it, drinking the Kool Aid of the conspiracy theories on um, you know. All of social. I was just going to say 4chan, not even 4chan, Facebook. Oh, no, uh, no, no Way no. more mainstream. Um, yeah. And, uh, like, it, I, 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 this was a, both one of the funniest sequences to me, but also um, the most humanizing because they're not really the villains, um, even though what I described might make you think that he would villainize them. I mean, they look a little bit silly, but ultimately these two guys clearly are, you know, have a good heart and are trying to help this guy, but also believe these insane things. And I like the way that they're portrayed just because it was like, you know, these people are, it's a product of this system, this environment and this, the distillation of this information and how it gets to them. That's the problem. Not these people. These people aren't the problem. It's, you know, yeah. And I, and I appreciated that. Um, and yeah, again, a lot of questions about how he gets some of these things set up. Yeah, of course. That's actually a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I think one thing that I, I've always liked about Tasha Baron Cohen is he, um, he is, He's brilliant. The guy is actually, yeah. he's legitimately incredibly smart. And while his characters are uh, crass and crude and racist and all, they say all this really base level stuff, I think he resists the urge of, and I hate this term, but it's it's applicable here, punching down. Yes. Um, yes, he will shine a light on how 
ridiculous um, the, these people can be, but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily do it in judgment where um, where he's holding them up for uh, ridicule in the sense like he except for the only time he does that really I think is with politicians. So yes. politicians when he gets a politician on the line uh, and they say something crazy he will absolutely make them seem completely stupid and foolish and and i think that's because you know that's his chance to to poke politics in the eye uh because he he he's always been political like this is i know people have talked about how he's like this movie is like super political and and you know he lost it he lost his way a little bit but that character has always been that way and the ali g show has always been that way he's always interviewed like huge political figures so um yeah and i appreciate uh I appreciate the light that he shines on uh, America's underbelly for sure. And I yeah. think um, especially in, in obviously the first Borat movie, um, the things that he got people to do and without very much um, without much arm twisting. Uh, <laughs> it was scary. I think that was like I think at that point when you, you saw this, the songs they were singing in the first Borat movie, <laughs> we should have known what was coming uh, down the pipeline. <laughs> um, and I think. You know, uh, the song that he gets people to sing in this in this Borat too is actually it's actually pretty funny. It's not as good as the first, the very funny song from the first movie, but uh, it's it's pretty good actually. So, yeah. yeah. Again, I think I think the movie's funny, and you know, if you don't expect something at the level of uh, Borat, then yeah, you'll probably like it because yeah. there's good moments, there's funny moments. Yeah, especially given the landscape of what's available to watch and we've been getting a lot more vod stuff i mean it's definitely if you like the first borat it's worth watching again with that caveat that have no expectation it's going to live up to the original Mm -hmm. um because it doesn't (laughs) yeah i mean speaking of lack of things to watch by the way they shut down our movie theaters again in sacramento yeah yeah i know you've been shut down all i mean it is dude i'm we won't go all the way into it now but i am concerned for movie theaters i'm in it period yes exactly i don't know how they survive but i don't know like i before i've always been like yeah this is bad this is bad but they'll bounce back they own too much real estate they're these huge buildings someone's got you know like there's no way that all these things are going to go out of business now i'm like oh i don't know if we're going to have theaters open in every town anymore i i'm I'm on the train of like oh man when the dust settles movie theaters might be some boutique thing that's like you know dotted in a handful of places where it's a, a unique experience and not a normal way to consume movies right. which is well you know what what's interesting about that is years ago um you know obviously before covid but um when um basically at the peak or or the crest of the um the marvel movies the whole marvel universe thing uh, steven spielberg was talking about how like what the future of movie with movie theaters is going to be and he said oh, What's going to happen is it's going to return to that like sideshow, um, the night out where you go to see. It's basically live theater is what it's going to be the equivalent of. So you're going to have movies that tour um, like it did in the old days, and it's going to be one grand, like a grand spectacle essentially, and which makes perfect sense, especially now. Like you said, not every not every town is going to have a movie theater moving forward. Like you're going to have to go, you're going to have to travel to go watch a movie live, um, and I think it's. Spielberg saw the future, I guess. So he didn't obviously didn't know COVID was coming, but um, yeah, I mean, I so far, right. and speaking of Spielberg with streaming and and the future of movies, I mean, he's a big like a lot of these big directors are theater advocates, but he has gone so far as to produce some of the series that are on Apple TV Plus. I don't think he's done anything Netflix related. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's no. like he's definitely not directed a straight to streaming thing. No, um, but I mean that's just a matter of time. It's a matter of time. It's a ticking time bomb, unfortunately. Now, I'm gonna you, miss it, man. I, I love movie theaters. I know, man. I I went with my I took the like when Gavner Gavner uh, Gavner Newsom. <laughs> oh my gosh, Newscom. Newscom. Newsolini. Um, oh god. Yeah, I know. One. No, there's some good ones. <laughs> there's some really good. Oh, did you hear the one? Uh, the Michigan Michigan Governor. Um, oh, Whitmer, Whitmer? Is, her, is her name? Yeah. Whit Whitler is what. They oh, call her. ooh. <laughs> Wow, Hitler! This, that's a rough one. Wow, <laughs> could you imagine if Hitler's greatest crime was to ask his citizens to wear masks? Oh man, <laughs> Jeez. yeah, that I would. That's a little preferable to, to w- the way he went. Uh, slightly better. Slightly better. You wouldn't know it if you read. Uh, Definitely more lives saved. So. But uh, yeah, so I mean, 
Anyway, um, yeah, Gavin or, <laughs> Gavin or Newsom, still still saying it that way. <laughs> when he announced that the theaters were going to shut down in Sacramento County, I was like, Dad, we're going to a movie. It's 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 this might be our swan song, and so we go see the new Liam Neeson movie, uh, which is called Honest Thief. Um, very creative title. Um, yeah, we we were in this enormous theater, not a single soul in there. I literally walked laps around and got my steps in and closed my exercise Smart. ring on my Apple Watch by yeah. climbing the stairs, walking all across the top row, walking down the other side, and then in front of the screen, and then right back up again. My dad's like laughing. He thinks it's the funniest mm-hmm. thing he's ever seen. And I'm just, yeah, I mean, it, it it was pretty, it was just even sad seeing a huge, this is the biggest actual theater house at this specific theater I was at, just seeing it completely empty, knowing tomorrow, like I just got done talking to the snack bar people, and they're like, yeah, we're laid off starting tomorrow. I was just like, geez, this sucks, you know? That's really bad. So anyway, I pitched but them all on working at Taco Bell, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> well, no, they they want to get laid off because they're actually going to make more money that way. So oh, that's sure. good for <laughs> it's good for them. <laughs> hey, man, I worked in the snack bar. I know how much they pay there. Yeah, so. it's yeah, whatever the minimum wage is. Um, yes. So Borat 2, you mentioned that being the second most streaming thing. First was Hamilton. Hamilton, that's right. Now, I think there might be a new sheriff in town. Because the long-anticipated return, The Mandalorian, is here. We are three episodes in. I don't know if Disney Plus releases their data or if they keep it close to the vest like Netflix, but I think this is going to be Hamilton level, if not more. We know, obviously, the first season was a huge success. We covered all of the episodes, I believe, on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're here to talk about these first three episodes, uh, you know, nearly 30 minutes into this podcast that's titled <laughs> The Mandalorian. I'm watching all the people on our Facebook live feed who tuned in, probably hoping to get some Mandalorian, you know, hot takes. But instead, they got political hot takes. <laughs> um, is, is The Mandalorian political? Oh, oh yeah! Are you kidding me? The New I Republic, which I think it is, abs- yeah. is I think the New Republic may be a little far-reaching government, if you ask mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Empire, and I'm thinking maybe this wasn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, you know, not to jump ahead too far, yeah. but we did learn in the third episode that maybe the the Mando was part of a QAnon type of group. Ooh, oh, I can't, oh my gosh. The Q Mando takes, I'm that. here for them. He is going to yeah. be, I could see his helmet, like the silhouette of his helmet, becoming one of the new symbols of Q. You know, <laughs> the people in Q have taken the, the one of the letters of our alphabet. Granted, they took yeah. one of the yeah. two least used. So, okay, I'm okay with yeah. that. You could have Q or Z. They took Q. I'm okay with that. Yeah. They took the okay sign away from us. <laughs> they took away my David Beckham haircut. I, I know I'm completing mm-hmm. Proud Boys and Q, but it's all the same to me. I'm done with them taking things away. I cannot let them take Man- Mando. But you're right. Episode three, they hinted at him being a part of, um, let's just say, a dangerous ideology. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, where it was the, the re- it's the the reverse of the anti-mask people. I guess they're the very <laughs> pro, <laughs> so pro-mask. It, it is you do pro-mask. not remove it. <laughs> oh. Genius. But I, I love it. I know you love the Mandalorian season one as much as I did. So I'm curious, three episodes in, because it takes some time to get going, you know, three episodes in, are you as in as you were with episode one? Has it met your expectations? Are you underwhelmed? Is it even better? I, I want to know what's your immediate gut take after watching the first three. Yeah, first three initial instinct is I think they're right exactly where they left off. Mm. I loved all three. I, I thought they were all three were great. Um you know, they all had their flaws, obviously, but all three were extremely entertaining for my money. Uh, I'm extremely satisfied with my Disney Plus subscription. I don't have one, but yeah, I think. <laughs> Are you on my login? No, no, I, no, no. I uh, I, oh, I get it other by other means. Oh no. Um, but, but no, I think they're they're super entertaining still. I think it's a very compelling story. Um, I, I love what they're doing with it, and I I just want to see more and more Mando. So okay. I'm a big fan of all three. What is your favorite of the three? I, I would say episode the second episode was my favorite of the mm. three. Um, I just felt like that was like a miniature movie. Like that could have been a, a Star Wars offshoot movie. And I w- would have totally been happy. Uh, first one felt a little uh, paint by numbers, a sure. little rehashy. Um, third one, it was okay. It was, it was good. It moved the plot along finally. Um, yes. And it revealed some, some really interesting stuff. But I felt like... 
the set pe- the monsters, the set pieces, everything about the second episode was like, this is why I like Star Wars. It's this rocks. I'm a big fan. Um, Does it feel yeah, like it I, feels I just, like Star Wars saving grace a little bit, right? Like especially the yeah. the aftertaste of uh, Rise of Skywalker, which was a very bad Eesh. aftertaste. Yeah. Like watching Mandalorian, and I felt this way because you know Mandalorian season one was airing. It was right in the middle of the season when Rise of Skywalker came out, and I think I would have felt a lot more negatively about the just the Star Wars prospects if I didn't have the Mandalorian to look to, being like, look, they have a clearly have a person in John Favreau, and they have a Star Wars is perfect for the streaming medium. Like, mm-hmm. and now we see it, it like they can do it. Uh, it's not cheap, but like they could really. You know the effects are awesome still. Like yes, exactly. They don't need to expense, and 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 I think they can ring this out for all it's worth. And I think you know what now, especially with the death of movie theaters, maybe it makes more sense to just do Star Wars streaming, dude. Um, so here's why not? Here's my hot take, man. This is what I was gonna drop on you. Yeah. I don't think we see another Star Wars movie released in theaters. I, I don't think we do. I think, I mean, I I can buy that. I, I think I'm probably wrong. But my prediction here is that the unless success something massively unless something massively changes in the next yeah. six to twelve months, like who knows when COVID is going away? We don't know when we're ever gonna be able to go back to movie theaters or concerts or anything big like that. Yeah. So maybe we're just all streaming now. You so. know what I would love? I, I would have loved to have spent more time with characters like Kylo Ren and um and Ray, whatever her last name actually was, uh, Skywalker. Yeah, Skywalker. That's right. Spoiler. That's what she says at the end. That's Spoiler right. alert. Yeah, Luke's daughter. Um, honestly, like I would have loved having an, you know, an eight episode season, yeah. to spend with these people. Like yeah. that really would have been the preferred way of telling that story, rather than what we got, which was uh, the Emperor's alive. How? Where's he been? What's going on? Like. Give us that that backstory in a season of Disney Plus. Like they can do that now, and I and I just think that's what they're going to be moving to. And I'd be really surprised if they have a traditional move, like two hour, two and a half hour movie that's released in theaters, and then ninety day. It takes ninety days before it hits streaming platforms. I just don't think that's ever happening again. At the very least, they might have a theatrical okay, release, but it's on Disney yeah. Plus soon after. Yeah, I think it's going to be impossible to pass up that that money grab of people that will want to go see um, the the movie in the theaters. But we know, based off of receipts, that uh, that incredible decline after the first week, and then the subsequent weeks after that, like you're just basically halving whatever um, your income is for that for that uh, that opening weekend. So why not do three weeks in yeah. movie theater and then, you know, well put it put it streaming right because so. the theater exhibitors are the ones who've been fighting against that model for so long, but they've lost all leverage that they ever had. Well, yeah, they're yeah, they're they're unfortunately they're done, which sucks. But no, I think this this platform is uh and of course Favreau and all the directors that have taken part have breathed new life into the oh, to yeah. the property. So yeah. um it's incredibly exciting. I think it it adds um so much flavor to to the um the property moving forward that there's just limitless potential which I have not felt <laughs> thinking about Star Wars in quite a while. Oh, I know. Um, and we've got an Obi Wan so. movie in the pi- or Obi Wan series, excuse me, in the pipeline, as well as the Cassian Andor. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be so good. The, the Both of those series. are gonna be so good. Yeah. Yes. And seeing Mandalorian just gets me so excited for the possibilities of what to do in this world. It's so good. Yeah. So I mean, I felt. Can I say? Yeah. Yeah. Can I just say that I'm ready to see Jedi on in a in a? Are series? you? Are you ready? Yeah. Well, I'm you're about really to ready. in the next yes. episode. They yeah. literally say. The person's name that he's going to go see, uh, Ahsoka Tano, which those who are only familiar with the movies will have no idea who that is because that is a character from the two animated series, uh, Clone Wars, and then she's also in, in part of the Rebels. Um, I, I did not watch all of Clone Wars. I've tried multiple times to get into it, and it's been very difficult because the early episodes are so bad. I, I hear it gets a lot better, but I just haven't had the time. There's so many episodes. But I did watch Rebels, which has that character, Ahsoka Tano. So I'm excited to see the non-animated version, who, which is uh, played by Rosario Dawson, who's an excellent actress. Mm-hmm. And um, just to see, yeah, the embodiment of Ahsoka, Ahsoka Tano on The Mandalorian. It's going to be exciting. And just finally we get some Force people in here, you know? No more jetpacks. What happened to? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I love the jetpack, no, but uh, there's only so many times you can see a uh, flamethrower come out of his wrist before you're like, okay, yeah, let's see the next one. How many belt? Yeah, well, he needs to have a re-up with his Q, where the gets gets more gear. You know what I mean? Because it's like, okay, yeah. you got the multiple missiles on the left wrist and then the right wrist. You have a flamethrower. We got it. You know, mm-hmm. 
we need an upgrade. We need to get him a beamer that he can control with his phone or whatever. Um, I want. Can I, do you mind if I run through just a, each of it. the three episodes and talk Please. a little bit about each one? Go for it. I'll say. I mean, I do feel similarly to you about picking up where they left off, which was exciting. I, I will say that my least favorite of the three episodes is is the first one because, and you alluded to this, it's paint by numbers a bit. I mean, it's like okay, another planet, another community, local community in distress, and another monster to kill. That was kind of the plot of half of season one episodes. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, and I'm okay with that model, right? I mean, there are some some people have complained that they aren't getting, you know, the story arc being told in every episode because we've gotten used to so many shows doing that, right? Where this is more of honestly like the Star Trek model or the Hercules Xena, those types of movies where it's like the hero is just traveling around and each one's going to be a different problem, different people he's helping. I think that this format of storytelling works great in the Star Wars universe because you get to visit all these cool places, which is why episode one, when we go back to Tatooine, I'm like, I've spent so much time on this planet. Not a pretty planet, by the way. Not pretty. But like, we do we need to be here still? Like, and and they reference Boba Fett, and so it's like, okay, I know he was in the Sarlacc pit, but like, if he got out of the Sarlacc pit, like, I think the guy probably got off the planet, you know. Um, and I still don't know if that was him at the end of that episode. Is it's you know, I don't know. It, I it's just what are we on Tatooine? Can we give up Tatooine? There's a billion planets out here. Let let's explore some new stuff. And so it it I didn't love that we were still on Tatooine. The overall episode was interesting, cool effects. This crate dragon. Timothy Oliphant, who I love, um, but I will say this is the first celebrity cameo that's taken me out a little bit. I will say that. When he shows up, I was simultaneously excited to see an actor I like, but also confused because he was doing the character from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> but like it was the it re- just a little bit like I, I really do like him and, it, and his character was cool, but it did take me out. of It was a little bit like that's Timothy Oliphant in Star Wars. And I did, you know, I, it was hard. Um and yeah, so for those two reasons, Tatooine and Timothy Elephant, I, I didn't, it wasn't my favorite, but it was like, okay, you know, it was good. Now this episode two is the one where uh, Mando meets the frog lady who's got all the frogs. We have baby Yoda getting himself canceled by uh, <laughs> nearly committing genocide. He almost wipes out oh, yeah. an entire frog species because the dude is hungry. Okay. Get the boy child thing some food. Okay. Um. And then, uh, yeah, they wake a bunch of spiders on an ice planet. I mean, there's some pretty cool effects, to be honest. Yes, absolutely. That's what I really, really enjoyed about it. Was it was really interesting. Was, a lot of creature cool. work. Um, but, like, being on that, like, you know, I don't know, Mrs. Toad went for a little wild ride to go take a hot spring <laughs> little bathtub in the middle of a... I don't know. I feel like there were decisions being made by some people that, uh, you know, the harm that befell them, you know... They were <laughs> they were responsible for some of it. Uh, <laughs> but yes, all these spiders. I, I will say this. The two X-Wing pilots. We have got to get a better roster. Uh, not even better. A larger, just a bigger roster of X-Wing pilots. Because Dave Filoni, who is one of the writers of the series, he directed the second episode. Was this the one he... Or have we not seen the one he's... He's, he's a co-writer... Of the series, yeah. he's direct. He directed two episodes last season, and he's directed. He's mm-hmm. directing a couple this season. I don't know if one of the. I know the episode three was Bryce Dallas Howard. Episode one was uh, John Favreau. John Favreau. But um, yeah. anyway, the dude cast himself twice last season as an X-wing pilot, and then again we see him in episode two as an X-wing pilot. So I'm thinking the New Republic is short on pilots. Okay, we do not have a lot. <laughs> you know. This is there's something has got to be done because we've got uh, this dude who is flying around the galaxy and he's the same. So either Dave Filoni is playing different characters every time we see him as an X-wing pilot. Um, and I think it might be a clone situation. Um, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! If we have oh my gosh! If Mando just opens a door in some random planet and falls upon just a huge army of clone Dave Filonis with the cowboy hats <laughs> that he wears in real life and he's known for, it's just an army of Dave Filonis. I will lose my mind. Okay, that would be amazing. <laughs> but look, I get it. If I'm if I was a part of Star Wars and I could write myself in to be an X-wing pilot, I'm doing it. But guess what? I'm doing it once, and it's going to be short. And I'll say I did it. I'm not going to keep casting myself. So, yeah, I'm being a little uh, nitpicky here. Um, but I will say uh, I did love episode two. Episode three, though, the, the one that just aired a couple days ago, is my favorite. This is the one where he uh, he brings Mrs. Toad to meet Mr. Toad. 
to, and they're happy <laughs> with their eggs, and that's great. And uh, they babysit. Half of the series, by the way, is just Mando looking for someone to babysit Baby Yoda, which yeah is a little bit of a problem. Um, well, this is it's turning out this show is adventures and babysitting. It is a, yeah. yeah yeah and he's a, he talks all about how he's like where he, I love how it's like where he, where I go he goes kinda <laughs> kinda <laughs> sometimes no that's, that's actually uncomfortably close to where we go one we go oh all, well that's yes that's the callback to you <laughs> we know that we know that Mando was raised in the equivalent uh, Q and the Star Wars universe. <laughs> I love that. So we, I love seeing other Mandalorians, by the way, who were like take their helmets off, and he like freaks out, and they're like, "Oh, you're one of those." Like, there's not very many of you. Most of us are cool with taking our helmets off, and like you're a crazy mm-hmm. person. You were you were raised. I think they literally said a fanatic cult or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which yeah, not yeah, not a good look for our guy Mando. Um, but anyway. This is the Calamari planet, which was cool to see a bunch of Akbars running around. Yeah. Um, we see Harry Bosch from Amazon Prime's Bosch Amazing. as the main Amazing. bad guy in the Empire in this episode. He's so good. Amazing to see. I just love seeing th- like four Mandalorians just dispatching troops and troops. Every time I see Star Wars, like great. stormtroopers, like a group of stormtroopers running down an Imperial hallway shooting their blasters, I'm excited. That's very, it doesn't take much. That gets me excited. It's great. Um, Oh, one other thing I was going to say about Baby Yoda, though. And it's become, three episodes in, it's become a little bit of a problem for me. And I know I'm sounding like I'm complaining for a series that I so far have really enjoyed watching. But they established that he will intervene when the heroes need with the Force. And I find myself in each of these situations waiting. Like, okay, all right, we're at this peak moment of, of you know, uh, the, it's things are really bad. All right, Baby Yoda, move the hand. Do the hand thing that Grief Karga asks him to do in the season finale of season one where he's like, do the hand thing. You know, I'm literally just doing that now, watching, being like, okay, when is he going to intervene with the Force? And he has yet to do so. And I realize that he's a baby, but we have a problem when he has the get-out-of-jail-free card anytime they need it, and we don't know when he will and won't use it. Like, I guess it it leaves some suspense there, but like, has that bothered you at all? At all that they haven't even explored any more about the fact that he can control the force? Yeah, a little bit, but I exactly I, I appreciate the fact that they haven't used it because it's a bit of a Deus Ex Machina, yes, where basically they just solve every problem with Baby Yoda's superpower. So I'm glad that they don't use it. I think they could fall into that trap. Yeah, uh, but I am totally expecting him to use it whenever things go wrong. Yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah. I would love to, because he's 80 years old or whatever, but he's still a baby and whatever his species yeah. is. I would love to think that he is in full control of those powers and is just choosing not to do it. It's like, they got to do this. On, they got to learn how to do this on their own. I'm not, I'm not going to rip this crate dragon in two, <laughs> you know, like they've right. got it. They've got to strap a bunch of explosives to that bantha and just hope for the mm-hmm. best. <laughs> uh, but even when, when baby Yoda gets snatched by that sea creature, right? No force used, which. I guess I can buy it's a child and doesn't really know exactly how to use it on command. I don't know. Well, right. I, we are going to find out more as he gets turned over. Also, it is I, – I, I give these people all the credit in the world for our incredible show that they've made. But the plot so far this season is our main character, the Mandalorian, is once again looking for Mandalorians that he had met several times last – looking for them because he thinks they can introduce him to Jedi so he can give Baby Yoda to the Jedi. And so for the first three episodes, he's just looking for other Mandalorians again. It's just kind of like, I don't know, not the most creative drive. Right. Like it's, but it, it, whatever it is, it's to the next, get to the next planet. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, the thing is like he, he's never going to get rid of baby Yoda. So they have to do, they have to contrive a way to uh, make him constantly on uh, basically searching for that final resting spot for yoda but it's never gonna happen they, so. right so i was gonna that was my next yeah. question to you was uh, they very well may have planned and who knows how much they've planned in, in advance but that the baby yoda character was you know maybe that was going to be a you know i don't know two season thing where he eventually gets back to the planet or the people or whatever wherever he belongs but the phenomenon that is little baby yoda lby has it become so large that they actually they literally can't he cannot not be in the show like is he forever he in the mandalorian He's forever in the can't. Mandalorian. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. So he can't go. He's um, 
he is what everybody tunes in for. Yeah. Um, it's not Mando. It's actually Baby Yoda. Little yeah. Baby Yoda. By the way, Pedro Pascal has not been in any of these episodes. Um, <laughs> that's my favorite thing about this is that his voice, yeah. like that dude comes in, he gets to be the main character and he does about, you know, three hours of audio work <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> for the season. Basically. Oh, it's great. And of a lot of the, a lot of those, uh, those scenes are him. Or a lot of that dialogue is him struggling to uh, pull up on a, a the stick of his spacecraft. <laughs> Happens every episode. <laughs> every episode he is struggling to pull up on the stick. Yeah. It's a bad... I'm going to sh- make a supercut of him struggling to pull up on the stick. Yeah. it's a Look, it's a bad ship, by the way. Uh, Always. Yeah. Yeah. We got to get our guy a new ship. Maybe the next... Before you upgrade <laughs> that armor, buddy, let's get you a new, a new ride. <laughs> okay. Also, I'm gonna make a supercut of people saying Beskar steal. Oh, dude, Beskar is great. The people wanting the Beskar, we're gonna get the Beskar. That's is that Beskar? Just do Beskar. <laughs> the best of Beskar. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying it as much as I am. Absolutely, and it really is in the wake of Rise of Skywalker. It's just so nice to have this. It really it breathes hope into star wars the ip generally and it just i'm very excited so it's yeah awesome. i think there's so many so many possibilities and because this was a success you're gonna see that um they're gonna have the green light to get more creative i think they're gonna get more creative um with this platform so it's awesome i think it's nothing but nothing but um good possibilities moving forward yeah so well great any other th- any other thoughts on the mando no, I just uh, I'm looking forward to every new episode. So that's it's very rare that I have a TV show like that. So I'm very happy for it. Yeah. Um. Well, we should close out the episode. I try to keep them under an hour. Uh, speaking of TV, though, I was on television recently. Mm-hmm. Should we save this story for the next pod, or do we go oh, into it? No, now? we got to go into it. Do, are we, we going to do go this? To, this this is a perfect capper for the episode. I think. Yeah. So. Um, Pretty excited about this. <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll wrap up here with my final story. This is the World Series, uh, which Aaron's beloved Dodgers won. I got game. I got tickets to Game Two of the World Series. I got lucky. I was able to buy it the moment it went on sale. There was like a virtual waiting room where you were picked at random by MLB.com in order oh, to nice. purchase tickets. So I got them actually like at face value, which was not that expensive, which was kind of nice. But I had to buy a pot of four tickets. I flew out, you know, my plan was to fly out to Dallas because keep in mind when they went on sale, the A's had just won their first playoff series since 2006. So they're in this, the second round of the playoffs playing the Houston Astros. And I'm thinking Astros are out because at some point fate has to, you know, step in and be like, oh, cheaters, hold on. You weren't supposed to make it this far again. The baseball gods. And so I'm ready. I'm ready for, this is our first, uh, this will be our first visit to the World Series since uh, 89. And I mean, that was a big deal last time, literally quaked the earth. And so I'm, I'm really holding out. So I get these tickets. And then of course the A's are bounced very quickly afterwards. And I'm thinking, I'm, I've never been to a world series game in my life. I don't know if I will get the chance to, hopefully if the A's ever make it, uh, I'll be able to, to go to one who knows if people will go to sporting events by the way, in the yeah. future and, and to what extent, yeah. what capacity. Mm-hmm. But I looked at um, what was at the time a, a super spreader state in Texas who was going to fill this because they were doing it at a neutral site. All the games were going to be in Texas. Uh, they were going to fill this uh, stadium to 25% capacity. And, um, and I thought, you know, I'm going to roll the dice. I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go regardless of who makes the World Series since they got, you know, are bounced. I just want the experience of going to the World Series. So I went with my sister, one of my close friends, Michael, who flew in from Phoenix and then uh, our fellow host of the pod, Skylar Tio, a proud Dallas native, joined us to round out the group of four. Um, now, when I pick up my friend Mike from the airport the night before the game, Mike Mike is a high energy guy, uh, <laughs> and he is such a blast to be with in any, in, especially at a sporting event. Like I pick him up from the airport, he's decked out in his San Francisco Giants gear. He is giddy that the Dodgers, and he knows as well as I do, this stadium is going to be entirely Dodger fans because I've never met a Tampa Bay fan in my life. I don't know if you have. I don't know if they even have a fan base. I don't think they exist. I'm telling you, I didn't see. A, I don't think I saw a single. I don't remember seeing a single Tampa Bay fan at the game. It was 100% blue, a sea of blue Dodgers. And when I say sea, I mean 25% capacity. So, yeah. 
my my friend Michael is excited to go in his Matt Cain shirt um, jersey <laughs> and to just he's hoping the Dodgers lose so he can taunt. You know that, that that's he's, that's his skin in the game. Mm-hmm. But he gets in the car at literally in the airport, and the first thing is, "Where's the closest Walmart? We need to make signs for the." I was like, "Oh, we're doing signs." He's like, "Yeah, we're doing signs." He's like, "Did you look up where our tickets are? We're at the front row behind the foul pole, you know, in right field." And we, I honestly didn't realize that we were front row, um, because I picked, I just liked the best available in a certain price yeah. range, and was just happy to get tickets. And so, he's like, "Our goal is to make signs that will get us on TV." The problem here is, I think this was a Dodgers home game technically, as as it was yeah. designated. They they're not. In the, I'm decked out in my Oakland A's jersey hat. Literal, I, my face mask is Oakland A's. He's in Giants. Mm-hmm. They're not in the habit of showing. G- you know, Giants and A's fans at a World Series with the Ray, for the Rays and the Dodgers, right? So I, I, we sit down and decide that if we have any shot at all at getting on TV, these need to be like, like they, they have to. We have to have signs that are so good that they can't not show us. And so, dude, we, it, honestly, we really labored over this. <laughs> we went through so many bad ideas, but um, I basically my take on it was this. Broadcast broadcasters just freaking love seeing their acronym, their network acronym in a sign. They can't help themselves. If you just pull together just even something that's remotely related to the event, but you have ESPN, you know, the word, you know, doesn't have to be the first letter in the acronym, but you know, it spells out ESPN or CBS or ABC. Well, you, well, you get a shot like that every single game. Every game. Like every game. Yeah, every game. And yeah. you know what I realized is this game was on Fox and I Googled as many images just tons of google search images for people who have done the fox acronym not very many and certainly not any successfully it's the x is hard okay that's a killer so we we went through so many ideas of where we could fit the f the o and the x you know so we write it out in bold so and then we do the o so it looks like the logo you know and we do the different color we we really work at it so that was one sign idea, which I felt strongest about. The other sign idea was we wanted to pick a player that we knew could have a moment that maybe like we basically like who's who's going to be the starting pitcher, who which pitcher has a name that we can do a pun with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that one was a definitely not as strong of an idea, and we didn't get featured um, on TV. But I do think the sign worked in its own way. Um, that one, by the way, was the starting pitcher, your beloved uh, Gonsola. Yeah, Tony Gonsola. Tony Gonsola. So I, I see he's the starting pitcher. I don't realize that he's like a pinch starting pitcher or something. What is he? What is he yeah, called? So it was technically it was a bullpen game. So he was a he's he's kind of like the sixth starter in the rotation. Oh, okay. Which is, rotation traditionally has has five. So he would be the extra starter. But you said uh, that he's rookie. only in there for he's a couple innings generally, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So I'm thinking this guy's might you know if he has a good game we might get five six innings out of him or something you know maybe seven. <laughs> So I, I was I the word the name Gonsola I was like gone gone okay gone what are some puns right gone baby gone Sola no okay uh, like what's the just we tried to do so many uh, Gonsola puns till finally it struck like oh going going Gonsola like if someone hits a home run off from off of him it's going going Gonsola or if he gets yanked early we can do going going Gonsola we're just there's a couple of you know so. It was not as good as the first idea, but uh, we thought, eh, maybe this will work. Um, they did not show it on the Jumbotron. They didn't show it on the national broadcast, but Gonsola, our guy, we scream at him in the stadium when he leaves, when he exits the bullpen, right? This is before the game starts, but he's doing his entrance and Fox is filming him. When he goes from the walk from the bullpen out to the mound, we're screaming at him because we're right next to the, we're pretty close to the bullpen. And he, he looks over at us, he reads the sign, and then he turns and proceeds walking forward. Doesn't react at all. <laughs> but he absolutely read our sign. And it just says, going, going, Gonsola. Right? Um, and in fact, I mean, you can see, there's uh, for those of you on the audio pod, you're not going to be able to, to see this. But you can see in the national broadcast here, that, that orange sign up there, that's us. <laughs> right before that clip is when he looked at it. So we're kind of, we're, we're pulling it down and we're swapping it out for the next sign. Um <laughs> <laughs> but the dude gets a homer hit off of him in the oh, yeah. like the third batter, fourth batter. It was like right yeah, away. He got rocked. And then he gets pulled to the top of the second, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he he's mad. He's walking off, and he looks up. You could see him looking in the stadium, and he stops. And it it really from my where I'm sitting, and of course I'm 
I'm absolutely biased. But I'm like, oh, he's looking at us. He looks at us and he just kind of shakes his head and he's walking off. And I'm like, dude, I think he looked at us. And Michael's like, I don't know, did he? I'm like, I think he did. My brother-in-law is texting me who's watching the And he goes, Gonsola, I think he just looked at you guys. I'm like, I think he looked at us. Like, I think it worked. I think he, I think he saw it. And a part of me wants to believe that he went, going, going, Gonsola. I've never seen that. In all my years of baseball, you know, minor league or, you know, growing up, no one's done that pun before. I want I wanted to believe he had a, at least a begrudging respect for our taunt. Yeah, no, you guys rattled him for for certain. I would love and to I believe think, it. Uh, I hate it. I hate you guys. I'd love that, to believe but... that we controlled the game. But our our, our, yeah. our shining moment wasn't that, Aaron. Our shining moment was the fox, the sign with the fox sign in it. Dude, we I I don't I'm I don't even, I'm nervous to tell you some of the bad ideas that we had before we landed <laughs> on this. I mean, we had one one was flew to Texas. We love baseball or something like it was really bad Ooh, stuff. Yeah, that's, rough. That's a rough one. Um, but that X is tough, man. So um, what had happened the, the night before, which was game one, was that Mookie Betts stole a base, which mm-hmm. Taco Bell was doing this big promo that if anyone in the World Series steals a base, free tacos for America. The tiny print is if you downloaded their mobile app before the World Series, you know, all this, whatever. <laughs> but free tacos for everyone in America if someone steals a base. Mm-hmm. And he steals the base. Mookie Betts steals a base uh, in the first game and in the uh famously in the post game viral clip in his post game interview where they asked him about stealing the base and he's like no i i only stole the base so everyone could get a free taco you know and everyone loved you know it's very popular clip and so we came up with a sign this is the very next day that says free tacos question mark excited and in the middle of it spells fox f-o-x free tacos so the f and free tacos the o and then excited uh, so free tacos, question mark, excited. And it was a period, not an exclamation point. Um, and so we were pretty proud of it. And so we hold it out there. And, you know, this is in the latter half of the game. Uh, I start getting text messages from a bunch of people that are telling me that Joe Buck just did a Taco Bell ad read while they cut to you and Michael and Skylar and my sister Sarah holding the sign, which it just... The fact that we accomplished our mission, what we set out to do, was so exciting to me. I do have a clip. Two for two. If uh, if you are interested in seeing Let's it, see it. Yeah. I mean, this is really 2020 has been a rough year for for a lot of reasons. But for me, I was I'm just grateful that I had one highlight um, yeah. on the Fox broadcast of the World Series. So here's this. Oh, let's oh, here. There's it is. Mookie. <laughs> Can you hear it? Showing Mookie. And cut to us. Free tacos. <laughs> excited. Oh, man. I love it because on the still there, if you really examine it, which it's, it's I mean, it's a sight to behold. you got Skylar who seemingly knows where the camera is. Oh, yeah. That man knows how to find a camera. Michael, who is oh, yeah. literally mid. Sat down. Yeah. Sitting down. Hikes the short. I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's prepared. My friend Michael, whose head is cut off here, he's he's literally mid-taunting of the Dodger fans behind us, <laughs> which happened all game long. And then I'm sitting there adjusting my mask uh, with my 360 GoPro out, waiting for someone to hit a home run. And my sister is trying to drink her drink with a straw through her mask. <laughs> Uh, but not her finest moment, but, but, but yeah, ironically our definitely all of our finest 2020 moments. Uh, Oh yeah. So look, the fact that they cut to us on the broadcast is exciting. The fact that Joe Buck, the fact that there is a dude in the control room that, you know, at some point, you know, in a commercial break, he's like, all right, let's scan for signs. Any good ones, any good. I want to believe someone was like, Hey, Hey. They, we got an acronym. Fox, he goes, we don't know where, 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 you know, where, right there. Free tacos. Excited. And immediately they start in the script. Like, okay, well, let's reference the taco thing from Mookie. We need a sh- camera A. We need a shot of Mookie. When we come in from the, we come in from the break, we're going to go Mookie. Joe, we're going to have you re- remind everyone about what happened. The stealing of the base. Uh, then let, go ahead and read the Taco Bell, a copy that we have for the ad read, you know, that they had to fit in somewhere. And then camera B, we're cutting to the Giants fan and the Ace fan That's with the sign. sign. Give me the right? sign. Give me the sign. <laughs> but just I, I want I want to believe that there was cheering in the broadcast room, the Fox oh, yeah. broadcast booth, like like it was NASA mission control, right? When they landed on the moon. You know, just oh, yeah. everyone's cheering that someone I was able to you. Yeah. 
I guarantee you those cameramen are on the lookout for the, signs. They absolutely are. There's someone's yeah. job is to go through and then to log what signs we have, which ones are visible. They, I mean, I would love to know more about the inner workings of like, when does that happen? How much are they sp- like, who's the, who's the spotter that's like, okay, this because not everyone's holding a sign up the whole time, right? So you got to know which signs are out there and then keep your eye on those people to know when they're holding it up. We, since we were front row, we literally could just hold it in front of us and it, we just held it there and it worked and it worked. It worked. It was great. <laughs> and the fact that Joe Buck's voice is narrating a shot, I'm just, that, that makes me so excited. Um, yeah. I mean, Joe Buck Jr. Uh, or is he a, you know, what's his dad's name? <laughs> uh, uh, no, it's uh, not, he's not, a, he's, he's not uh, Joe. What is it? It's a J though, isn't it? It's, um, oh gosh, I can't think of it. Oh, well, well um, he's a, it doesn't matter. He's the lesser dance. broadcaster. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, man, I keep wanting to say Tim. It's not Tim. It's not Tim. It's, uh, what is it? Oh, you're going to make me. Okay. Here, this is embarrassing. I'm gosh. Jack Buck, it dude. Jack Buck. Jack, Jack Buck. I knew it was a J. Of course. Honestly, of course if I had Jack or Joe, I'm picking Joe. I'm picking hair plug yeah. Joe 10 times out of 10. Uh, yeah. It was just exciting. It was exciting. Do you ever so. see that? Do you, do you ever watch Joe Buck's um, awful failed t- talk show? The HBO, HBO? HBO one? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've only come across it when there's clips of people that inter- like people I'm fans of. And it's like, oh, there's some interview Arnie with Lang. Joe Buck on a HBO show. And I'm watching. I'm like, oof. Tough. Yeah, the Artie Lang, uh, Artie Lang clip is actually a classic. Oh, yeah, find yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah, he, he gives Joe Heck. Oh, he's, he, he makes, interviews Artie Lang? Yeah, and it, it's a rough one. He, oh, boy. Uh, Artie Lang is, I don't know if Artie was uh, hungover or hmm. what, but he, he lays into him a bit. So wow. He gives him a, a little a little drubbing. That's funny. So, yeah. Well, thanks for indulging me and letting me share my World Series experience. The Dodgers didn't take that That's game. Awesome. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that we got into your starting pitcher's head. For that, I do apologize. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, um, thanks for indulging me there. That was fun. <laughs> that was a man. I love I, this. Is I just thought of this phrase. I love it when a plan comes together. Oh. Yeah. You can use that. Honestly, that's better than any of the ten Joe Biden campaign slogans. <laughs> <laughs> I think they had like a dozen. I don't know, like. I mean, build back better was my favorite. There's so many, there's so many. Um, yeah, I, I was gonna say my favorite one, and I was gonna do a quote that he did with Charlemagne, and but I'm glad I didn't. I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Actually, now that you mention it, that's the documentary I really want to see. Like his team reacting to his yes. gaffes on. I Dude. mean, gaffes like that were, or, or when he told the guy that he would take him out outside, oh he beat him outside gosh. to beat his ass. When he, when he called so. that one, that woman a um, a lying pig, horse faced pony, something pony soldier, or when he um, when he when he tells the guy that asked him in the town hall where he says, "Listen, fat." Yeah, and they <laughs> and he tried to say that people. I love people try to defend him, being like, "No, he was about to say something else." About facts, and I'm like, that. "Nah, I don't. That's not at all what he's doing." We need a live campaign, Biden campaign team shot, a live camp. Just, yeah. we can cut to them at any point where you just go, oh, Joe, oh boy, uh-oh. And they're looking around like, oh my gosh, uh, Kamala, you going to take Here this one? Go. Yeah. Here we go again. Here we go Woo. again. Uh, yeah. That would be a reality I would watch matter. that documentary. It's I would watch so that much. reality show. I would, uh, I would pay money, quite a bit. He won, and he's going to be our next president, maybe. Well, so. yeah. I mean, I mean, he'll be the next president if that's what the courts decide. I, by the way, yes, I, I'm trying. I'm trying out the new bit that some of my um, some of my friends don't appreciate, where I'm where I will say that I am excited about. You know, I'll, I'll basically I'll add a qualifier every time I mention about Biden being elected president, um, and my qualifier, some version of like, like I, it's crazy. It's amazing that he won. You know, assuming that they're that there weren't fraudulent votes, of course, in at least Nevada, you know, I'll be like, you know, I mean, it really seems like he's got this again, assuming that all the votes are legal and, you know, and people are like, stop. No, they are. They are. And I was like, I mean, we don't know. I mean, innocent, you know, or, you know, whatever, like we need to know, we need to find out in a court of yeah, law. We really have to get to the bottom of it. We have That's to get to the thing. bottom of it. I, I'm not saying that there was, but I'm just saying we should, we should, the very least we should do our due diligence. You know, I, I try to seem like the level headed person that isn't willing to 
fully say Biden has won. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious because people are like, no, 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 there's no evidence whatsoever. I was like, well, no, you have to look first. Right now we're looking. Right. Let, exactly. give it the, we haven't determined that. Let yet. the process play out. And, and if there's none, then yeah, of course, Biden is the absolutely the next president. But we definitely <laughs> want to make sure we look into this. Uh, it it's just, it's a bit that's only funny to me and maybe you. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> oh gosh, oh man, I've only ever run for president of something twice in my life, and both times I won. And that was student body president in the sixth Very grade nice. of Natoma Station Elementary School, and then that was uh, student body president of the college that I went to. Both times that I won, I still claimed it. The vote was fraudulent. Uh, you. You were the president of BYU? Uh, no, actually, I was not. Oh. I went to two colleges. I went to uh, LDS Business College. Oh, okay. A much smaller yeah, yeah. population, by the way. A little bit easier yeah. to win the popular vote. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I would have won the election at BYU. Um, I was a little, little left of center. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a school in Salt Lake City that I went to for two years called Elias Business College, which was renamed recently to Enzyme College, which is a bummer for several oh, reasons. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, yeah. I made a whole a TV betrayal. show called Business at the BC Business College, I know. which now is I, I've watched it obsolete. <laughs> so, <laughs> renaming of the college, but yeah. Anyway, I won that one, and I still, I just my Twitter tantrums. I just said like this vote was f- absolutely fraudulent, even though I won. And they're sweet out rigged. Yeah, absolutely. Rigged. <laughs> anyway, Aaron, dude, it's good to catch up, man. Always. What are we talking about on the next episode? On the next episode, the we movie, talk about are movies coming out? Are we? No, they're not. That's the bummer of it all. I guess we're we're gonna have to talk about more streaming stuff. There's a lot of streaming stuff, been, a lot of shows, quite a lot of yeah, yeah. And at some point, I, I mean, in De- I guess uh, in December, maybe early January, I don't know when we're gonna do our top ten movies of the year. Which, dude, it's gonna get, oh, man, number nine and number ten are a lot of stretching. On not good. I'm prepared to have two or three not good movies on my top ten. <laughs> I think the list should actually be just the uh, 10 movies we saw this year. 10, ten, ten movies that had some form of a release. <laughs> uh, no, But you know what's funny is I, I say that, but I stop and have to remind myself of movies I've already forgotten, like First Cow, which is definitely in my top 10. You know, like, it's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be – it's not going to be the strongest year for a top 10, obviously. Um, gosh, like even Matthew McConaughey's The Gentleman might make it. Like that's what – Oh, wow. I know. I know. Yeah. And it was an okay movie. Uh, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't terrible, but I wouldn't in any other year wouldn't even sniff my top ten. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. So we have that coming up. We're gonna do our top five Thanksgiving movies. I'm really excited about that. Um, <laughs> a whole lot to choose from. Yeah, but yeah, we're gonna get into streaming stuff. We're gonna get into a lot of that. But anyway, I think that's it. Aaron, anything else you want right. to hit on? No, I think we hit it all. We'll uh, we'll come back next week with more ammo. So let's do it. All right, Aaron. Thanks, my man. And don't forget to hold on to your bets. Thank you for listening to the Brave Little Podcast. Hold on to your butts. 